Grace and peace to you this morning. It's so good to to be with you this morning. And if you have a Bible, you might be turning to John, the sixth chapter. We're going to uh, wrap up John chapter six this morning and then move on to to something else uh, next week. But a couple things before we begin. Um, Appreciate Jake leading those songs and especially that, that last one, Draw Me Deeper, Deeper in You. If John is about anything, I think it's that that we deepen our relationship with Jesus. And so just keep that in mind as as we continue this study of the Gospel of John. Second, I I hope you'll um, mark on your calendars our our upcoming um, uh, seminar that we're having with John Dobbs on uh, following Jesus through the storms of life. John is one of the best Christians that I know, and, and I know that you'll be blessed by hearing his lessons He's got a unique story. He was ministering on the coast of, of Mississippi when Katrina hit, and so he's endured all that. He, he lost one of his sons, and he's going to speak about that on, on one night, uh, about what it means to, to travel with Jesus through loss. And so I know that all of you will be blessed if you come out and, and hear John next month. Well, as we begin to think about John chapter 6 and the very end of it, I, I want us to begin with this question, what is success. And just think about that for a minute. How do you measure success? What do you look for if you're kind of gauging what is successful and what is not? Now think about this. What does a successful church look like? What would a church have to have for you to call it successful? What did you come up with? You know, was it nice facilities? Was it a a vibrant youth ministry or maybe a large presence in our community? Perhaps it was numbers. This is how we often measure success. We, We look at the numbers. We determine whether a company is successful or not by looking at their sales numbers. We measure movie and television success by how many people watch that movie or how many people watch that television show. And often we do the same when it comes to church. A successful church is one with a a large attendance. But where do we come up with this idea? You know, are, are we not taking how, how the world measures success and then applying it to the church? And, and don't feel bad if you equated numbers with success. Preachers are, are often guilty of doing the exact same thing. We're, we're probably more guilty than you are. Um, the, the things that we sometimes equate with, with church success, though, are not necessarily bad. You know, if, if we think about nice facilities, that's a tremendous blessing. And, and, and nice facilities can encourage fellowship and, and help in the spread of the gospel. And so those are, those are good things. If we think about programs for our youth and, and, and maybe other types of programs, those are fantastic. We can um, create significant bonds through those programs. And, and we can uh, reach people through those programs. And even when we think about numbers, numbers are great. If you remember on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says there that 3,000 people were baptized and added to the church 
on that day. Jesus tells us in the Great Commission that we are to go into all the world and proclaim the good news. And so the more who, who hear and come to faith, the more people who do that, that's a wonderful thing. However, numbers are not everything. And on more than one occasion, Jesus does things to shrink the size of his followers. He challenges his disciples. He reminds people that there's a cost to following him. He gives people teachings that are difficult, teachings that require sacrifice on our behalf. And this causes some to reconsider. It even causes some to walk away. And this is what happens in John chapter 6. The the chapter begins with these large numbers. It begins with the feeding of 5,000. And throughout the chapter, if you just read it again, you'll notice the mention of crowds. There were crowds who were following Jesus. And by the end of the chapter, there's only a handful of people left. Just a few. And I want us to to hear how the chapter concludes this morning. So this is from the end of John chapter 6, verses 60 through 71. It states, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And so Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon, Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So we learn here that, that Jesus does not measure success the same way that we do. Now, he does not mind the big crowds. He, he, he welcomes them. He feeds them. But he does not go out of his way to cater to their whims and their desires. Jesus does not follow the crowds. He wants the crowds to follow him. And Jesus has no problem attracting crowds. They they want healing. They want to be fed. They are curious about what he has to say. Many come and listen, but few are willing to stay and follow. And so for for Jesus, success is not numbers. Success is faithfulness. 
It is, as we sang this morning, going deeper. It is growing in our love and knowledge of God. It is sticking with God even when times are tough. It is following God even when he requires much of us. Jesus wants everyone to follow him. That's his desire. But not everyone is willing to do what Jesus asks. We should adopt Jesus' measure of success, not the world's. We should measure success by how we are growing spiritually. Is our relationship with Jesus stronger and deeper than it was a year ago, two years ago? We should measure it by how we serve. Are we serving the needs of the people around us more than than we have in, in previous years? We should measure it by our lives. Do we look more like Jesus today than we did in years past? Are we continually conforming our lives to look like Jesus? Are we turning away from the world and and, and the many ways that the world is shaping us and wants to shape us and focusing more and more on becoming like Christ? That's what success looks like. If we have lots of people show up on a Sunday, then that's great. But that's not success. Success is when people stay. It's when they show up Sunday after Sunday. It's when they volunteer and serve. It's when their lives change. And they turn from the world and they turn to Christ. And and this is what success looks like according to Jesus. You know, it's no secret that our congregation is smaller today than it was two years ago. If, if you look at the bulletin every week, you can see that our average attendance has declined. And I'll just tell you this, our situation is not unique. Every church that I'm aware of has declined in number over the last two years. I'm not aware of any church over the last two years that has grown. I talked to a lot of ministers and church leaders and stuff like that and don't know any Nationally, if you look at just sort of national statistics, nationally church attendance has declined drastically in those two years. And there are many reasons for this, and experts will continue to study all those trends. What we do know is that we have been tested in various ways over the last few years. Life has not always been easy, and people have responded to this in different ways. Not not everyone here this morning has responded in the same way, and that's okay. The thing that is important is that you are here, that you did not walk away from God, that you did not leave the church, that you did not turn your back on on God's people, even when it was difficult, even when everyone did not see eye to eye. And, And for this, you are to be commended. You know, there's much truth in these words from Martin Luther King Jr. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. And and what King is describing here is, is one of the ways that Jesus measures success. 
The, the crowds would follow Jesus when it was easy. They, they follow him when there is an abundance of food. They, they follow him when all their needs are being met. But the moment that it becomes challenging, people begin to leave. You being here today says something about your character. You have shown grit. You have shown endurance. You have, re- you have remained faithful in the midst of, of turmoil and challenges. And, and what we have now is an opportunity to grow stronger. We've, we've learned something about ourselves. We've grown. And we can move forward knowing that we can make a difference. We can continue growing in our love and knowledge of God and, and, and serving the people around us. We can be a light in this community because we're not going to be swayed by the, the many ups and downs of life that, that come our way. We're going to stay focused and we're going to serve God no matter what happens. The exchange that, that Jesus has with his disciples at the end of John chapter 6 is fascinating. The, the crowds have gone. They have, they have left because they found Jesus' teachings too difficult. Jesus then turns and he asks the, the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And so Jesus gives the twelve, his, his apostles, he gives them an opportunity to, to walk away. Everyone else has left, so why not them? Why would they choose to stay after the crowds have gone? And it's Peter who replies, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And it's here that Peter gives us the words that we need when trials and testing come our way. These right here are are words to live by. They are words that that we should pray over and over again when life gets difficult. They are words of truth. Lord, to whom shall we go? Because it, it is you who have the words of eternal life. And we need to hear this often because in our world, there are lots of people and places for a person to turn and go. And we are enticed by so many things. Just just think about history for a moment. Think about times past. Think about your ancestors. Think about people in biblical times. For, For much of history, there was no cable TV, No radio personalities, no internet, no social media, no YouTube, no, all of that. And it's only recently that that we live in this world that is just filled with noise everywhere we turn. And we are constantly bombarded by, by voices pleading with us to focus our attention on, on things that have nothing to do with God. And they are vying for our allegiance. And we just, you know, casually let these voices in. 
and we listen to them and we, we think that we're stronger than they are. But we need to hear Peter's words again. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There's only one source for eternal life. And our hearts need to be attuned to Jesus more than all these other voices that, that seek to sway us and to overwhelm us. Because, guess what? We are not as strong as we think we are. We need Jesus. We need Him in the morning, and we need Him in the evening, we need Him throughout the day. We cannot do life on our own. And if we're telling ourselves that, that is a lie. We need to keep turning to Jesus every opportunity that we get because it is him, as Peter says, it is Jesus who has the words that we are to live by, words of eternal life. We're not to live by the words on TV or the words on social media or, or the words on the radio. We're to live by the words of Jesus because it's his words that have life in, in them. His words are truth. And, and, and his words are going to guide us in the way that we need to go. And his words offer us hope. And so while the masses go this way and that way, we should remember the words of Peter. While the multitudes follow after this personality or that personality, we need to remember the words of Peter. While the crowds obsess over whatever is trending today, we must remember the words of Peter. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And Peter is right. There is nowhere else for us to go. There is no one else who offers the wisdom that Jesus offers. There is no one who can do for us what Jesus can do for us. And so whatever it is you're facing in life, keep holding on to Jesus. When life is uncertain, Cling to Jesus. When we don't know the answers, turn to Jesus because he's the only one that can help. And don't get fooled. Don't allow anyone to persuade you that there's some other way because there isn't. In the final verses of chapter 6, we're reminded of an important point. Jesus wants everyone to be saved. He wants the crowds to be saved. He wants his followers to be saved. But just because Jesus chooses someone does not mean that they will be saved. Jesus chooses Judas. And yet it's Judas who's going to betray him. And most of us probably don't spend a lot of time thinking about Judas. Um, we, we probably don't identify with him as, as, as we do other characters from the Bible. Uh, we may even see him as an enemy. You know, he, he's the one who did this to, 
to Jesus. He's an enemy. He's someone who does wrong. But we need to remember that Jesus sees him as a friend. And Jesus, he, he welcomes him into his fold. He chooses him and makes him one of the twelve. And we should probably spend some more time thinking about Judas because we're more like Judas than we realize. And what happened to him can happen to any one of us. If we allow greed or bitterness or pride to to grow in our hearts, then we can end up hurting our fellow Christians. And we have to guard our hearts, especially when times are difficult. We cannot allow hatred or despair to to creep in and just to, to, to take over. We must be vigilant. We must humble ourselves and and choose Jesus over and over and over again. Because we have not arrived. We're not there yet. In a world of darkness, we must choose Jesus every day. In a world gone wrong, we must pray to Jesus every night. Because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He offers us that that living water that we desperately need. He is the bread of life, and without Him, we have no nourishment. He is the light of the world, and if we're not living by Jesus, then, then we cannot see. He has the words of eternal life. To whom else can we go? Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and we thank you for for all your many blessings. We thank you for Jesus, who saves us, who redeems us, who shows us how to live, who gives us wisdom, who nourishes us spiritually who gives us everything that we need. May we continue to turn to him. Turn to him every day. Turn to him every hour of every day to keep Jesus always before us so that we do not falter and go astray. We're so grateful that you're here with us this morning. We're so grateful that you have given us your Holy Spirit to be with us at all times. May we look to your Son and conform our lives to his so that we would be a light in this world and that we may lead others to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now receive this blessing from the book of Hebrews. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. Equip you with every good that you may do his will, working in us which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you're here this morning and you have any need at all, won't you come now?